When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, before we get started, I have some really exciting news. Just this week, we printed the brand new issue of our Good Newspaper. The Good Newspaper is a physical print newspaper filled with stories of the people, ideas, and movements shaping the world for the better. It's got all of this hope inside, but it's also got lots of action At the bottom of every single page, we've got something that we call the good bar that gives you practical action steps on how you can make a difference, how you can become a part of the stories you just read. So if you're inspired by some of the helpers in the world and you want to become a part of the work that they're doing, we make it really easy for you to get involved in a good way, a better way, or the best way, you know, getting all in. And our newest issue has so many incredible stories, everything from So we've got a guide for everyone who's Marie Kondoing their entire lives. Uh, And we're just trying to create um, a helpful tool to help you know what to do with the things that don't spark joy. What are the sustainable and smart ways to get rid of the clothes that don't spark joy, to get rid of the household appliances that don't spark joy, all of those things. We've also got a story from history about how Catherine the Great got the very first smallpox vaccine to prove its safety to her subjects, and it ended up saving countless lives. We also have stories about donuts and the nicest place in America and nurses saving lives and apps that do good, and we've even got some good news stories uh, about the world of politics. And inside of this issue and every single issue, we have a free fold-out centerfold poster. This one, it's Oh my gosh, it's so beautifully designed and it features an inspiring quote from Dr. Maya Angelou. And one more thing that I think is so fun about our newspapers, we print all of our newspapers with soy-based ink. So that means that we don't use any petroleum-based ink, which is, I think, so important. And we also print all of our newspapers on recycled paper and we ship them to you sustainably using minimal and recycled packaging. You can find out more about issue six of The Good Newspaper and either subscribe or just order this individual issue at goodnewspaper.co. And when the newspaper shows up, when it gets to your house, we want to see pictures. We want to see what that poster looks like up on your wall, what the newspaper looks like sitting on your coffee table. We want to see photos of you reading it. So go ahead and tag us on Instagram. We're at goodgoodgoodco. All right. Anyway, so exciting. So fun. Uh, Now let's jump straight into our episode. Over the last few years, my wife and I have been a lot more intentional about how we're caring for the earth, especially when it comes to our purchasing decisions, our food decisions, uh, and even lifestyle decisions. We've been cutting back on buying products with a lot of packaging or plastic packaging. We've been buying things more from thrift stores so that we're not creating new things when we need something. Uh, We've been trying to uh, buy food and household products that are non-toxic. We've been trying to be really intentional about how we travel and uh, the methods we use when we travel, all of these things. 
And we still have a long ways to go. There's a lot of ways that we can continue to improve the choices that we make. But I look back on the last few years and it feels amazing to see this this slow growth that we've kind of gotten to be a part of. And I, I think back about who are the people that inspired Sammy and I to be more intentional in our choices. And for me, somebody that has hugely inspired me has been a guy named Rob Greenfield. And Rob is our guest on the podcast today, and I'm so excited about it. Uh, Rob first got my attention when I saw some videos of him walking around New York City uh, wearing a trash suit. Um, I'll explain that. So every single day for an entire month, any of the trash that came from the things he consumed and used, he would put into these clear plastic bags that formed a, a essentially a bodysuit. And he would wear around all of the garbage that he uh, was using uh, for 30 whole days. And it was such a remarkable thing to see. It was really attention grabbing to see a guy sitting on the subway and he looks like a like a giant trash robot. The thing is, it it immediately proved the point. And it, it wasn't something like, hey, look at me, I'm amazing, and you guys all no, no, no. It was it was something where I went, oh my gosh, I, I use a lot of trash. And I don't think about it. There's a lot of things that I waste every single week. And it made me become a lot more intentional. And Rob has done a number of incredible and extreme stunts like this to help make a point, to help get an idea across. And cool thing is Rob is just such a nice, kind, gentle guy. He's not doing this to say, I'm better than you. He's not doing this to say that you have to follow these exact examples. He's just giving us some room to kind of process these things and maybe think about small choices that each of us can make. A few more examples of projects that Rob has undertaken. Again, he wore his own trash for 30 days. Uh, He lived in a tiny house in a very sustainable way. And then uh, he ended up building tiny houses for people who were experiencing homelessness. Uh, For a long time, he uh, dumpster dived for food as a way to kind of show how much food waste is happening at grocery stores. And his newest project is that Over the next year, he's only eating food that he's foraging and growing himself, which is amazing and wild and a brilliant reminder that all of us can maybe uh, grow one piece of food if we've got a garden or we can buy local produce more often. We can be more intentional about where our food comes from. Rob has gotten a lot of attention for the work that he's done. Uh, if his name is familiar to you, it might be because you've seen him on Discovery Channel. He had a series on Discovery Channel for a while. Uh, he wrote a book. It's called Dude Making a Difference. He also has a really iconic TEDx talk, which is wonderful. Uh, and he's also been featured by the BBC and CBS This Morning and USA Today and the LA Times and The Guardian. Rob is Like I said before, such a kind and gentle guy. I love this conversation. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harvey. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. Sounds Good is not your typical three steps to success podcast. We don't host this podcast for the sake of leaving you with bullet points on self-improvement. We believe that our lives are more complex than that. And so we show up here on Sounds Good to ask big questions 
We dive into nuance and we learn from each other's stories. And so without any further ado, let's just jump straight into my conversation with Rob Greenfield. I am so honored to get to have you on the podcast today. I'm just curious how you would describe what it is you do in this life that you lead because it's really unique and I feel like that's just a great spot to kind of start this conversation. Yeah, well, I'm really happy to be on the podcast with you, Brandon. I feel like we are super on the same page. I'm all about creating good in the world, really. I mean, good is probably one of the most common words that comes out of my mind. And, you know, the way that I look at it is I'm just, you know, one human being on earth among among billions. And I don't know the meaning of life. And I don't know why we're here. And I don't think that I can save the world or, or anything of that magnitude. But I think that while I'm on earth, I can, I can, I can live a good life. I can, do, I can live in a way that's good for the earth, good for my community, and good for myself. And uh, live with passion and purpose and try to, you know, leave the world a better place in my path. And not leave it in, in a, you know, not leave a negative wake, but leave a positive wake during my lifetime. And that's really, you know, that's really what it's all about. And for people who you know, know about you or have seen the news stories about you or maybe follow you on Instagram, you know, they know that you do some pretty extreme things to try to, you know, do good where you can. Um, And I want to dive into all of that. But I want to maybe back it up a little bit and just ask you, where along the line did this interest and passion and desire to do good come from? And obviously, you know, everybody, you know, wants to do good. But you, it seems like, have have taken this to the next level. And I'm curious, what did your childhood look like? What did school look like? And where along the way were these kind of seeds planted of, you know, that I want to take my life in this particular direction? Yeah, I can go back to my childhood and give you a little bit of a background. I, I'm trying to think of where that actually came from. I have I can have some ideas, but I'm I'm not sure where my desire to do good really started. But um, I grew up in a small town in northern Wisconsin, Ashland. Uh, It's on Lake Superior, the largest freshwater lake in the world. Population 8,620 when I lived there. I think it's gone down a tiny bit. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty good childhood. Um, It's a peaceful, wonderful place to grow up. Um, Grew up very low income. It was my mom and three, uh, two brothers and one sister and me all in a little house. Um, and so, you know, we had what we needed for sure. Like, you know, I lived a good childhood, but at the same time, definitely grew up, you know, very low income. And that that definitely, no doubt, played a huge role in in creating who I am today. Just, you know, having to work hard and, and uh, you know, not have everything given to me. And, and also just, it gave me a desire for something far better and getting out of Ashland and exploring the world because I wasn't comfortable there. So, you know, I just love to be outside and be with animals and nature. That was my passion. I read like National Geographic and watched Discovery Channel and just had a desire to get out and see the world and experience other people and other places. And um, that's kind of how I would sum up childhood. And then where did you go to college? My whole dream was to get out of Wisconsin, to get far <laughs> away. I was, I was going to go to uh, either Oregon or Florida for marine biology. 
And then I ended up just going to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. The idea was just for one year and then to transfer. And then I just I ended up meeting so many people and just loved it. So I stayed there for four years. I went to school for biology and aquatic science. And um, when I pretty much as soon as I was done with college, I got a backpack and headed to Southeast Asia and Africa and traveled for five months. Um, just try, you know, experiencing the world. And I guess what was your thought process when you went on that that trip? Then, like, was that a, you trying to say, "Hey, I'm going to go out and do good," or was it just like, "I want to travel after college. I don't need a job yet." Yeah, actually, you, you know, you just reminded me. I totally forgot in the moment, but on that trip for the six months prior, I set aside ten percent of everything that I made to it was I don't remember the name of it just I think it was called like the do good fund or something like that huh and so the idea was that I wanted to give back through my travels um but at that time I was much it was much more that was on the side and I what I really wanted to do was just immerse myself in the world I wanted to go to places where nobody spoke the language that I spoke where I would meet just you know truly amazing just legitimate people all over the world and then immerse in like wild immerse in the wild and so i did things like you know having just a couple pounds or maybe a pound of rice uh and some water and then just heading into the jungle in borneo just like (laughs) you know trying to survive and then at the same time you know just like you know i rented a car in kenya for example and just drove to the villages and and it was really just about immersing and seeing the world and and you know one of the one of the big takeaways from that was just i just saw how mag- magnificent of the of a place the world was and that that was early on i think one of the elements that gave me a desire to protect the world as much as i could but also just seeing okay the culture that i come from is just one of many and what we consider normal is not normal it's our norm but in no way is it normal and it really was a helpful wake up to the fact that the world is this incredibly diverse place and that diversity to me is what is the beauty of the world. So, I mean, it sounds like you grew up in, you know, a home where you had what you needed and it, it was it was humble, but but for the most part, you know, there weren't any huge, you know, complications or problems. As you started to meet more people, travel around the world, experience more places... Because this is something that I experienced. I think I grew up in a in a community where I saw very little problems in the world. Like I had a very privileged upbringing, and so when I started traveling more, it was seeing the problems in the world and the experiences the, that others were having that were uh, different than my own that kind of started to shift and change things for me. Was that something that you were experiencing, or were you? Because I think that there is also something kind of beautiful about traveling around the world and just seeing the beauty without seeing the problems. What were you experiencing? That trip was in 2010. So, you know, going on nine years ago. And I don't really look back on that trip and focus on problems. Like I really look back and and see the beauty of the world. Now, at that time, I was not, you know, just totally ignorant to the issues of the world by any means but I wasn't also wasn't paying too much a prop you know attention to him like I was flying all over the world I don't recall thinking once about the environmental impact of flying at that time or or things like that so there was part of me that hadn't awoken to a lot of the problems that exist in the world like privilege for example growing up in 
Wisconsin, where pretty much everybody's white. Uh, well, at least where I grew up. Well, there's multiple Native American reservations there, so not everyone's white, but overall, it's a vast majority white. So, like the idea of privilege isn't something that you know ever came up to my recollection, or if it did, I'm sure I just brushed it aside because I was it was so you know a foreign of an idea and couldn't really wrap my head around it at the time. And that's not something that I really started to wrap my head around until like two or three years ago. So I would say, yeah, I just look back at that trip and I really think just of the beauty of the world and the people. I think that's great because I feel like, I don't know, sometimes in in 2018, 2019, it feels to me like, you know, you've got to go on a trip and you've got to have it all figured out. But it's it's amazing that it can just be these like little steps of, of growth. And, you know, you just said that you, you know, weren't even processing some of these things until the last two or three years. And you've been doing all this amazing work for longer than that. I don't know. It, it reminds me of this question that my friend asks, which is like, when was the last time that you changed your mind? And it's, she asks it because it's this celebration of uh, this idea that like none of us are born woke. You know, none of us are born like fully aware of the problems in the world and we all have opportunities to continue to grow in those things. And then when we, you know, slowly but surely are awakened to injustice and heartbreak and pain in the world, then we get to start to respond to that. And we get to say, okay, what am I going to do about it? And so with that said, what were kind of some of those early moments where you did start to see a problem and realize that you Rob Greenfield wanted to do something about that. Yeah, you know, and I completely agree. We don't wake up overnight. I mean, even the people who say they had just this moment of enlightenment or this like overnight wake up, it's probably not true. The reality is, is they had many triggers over the years prior, and then there was one that really just finally sent it over the top. But without those prior triggers, that one might not have sent it over the top. And becoming who we want to be is a multi-decades process, especially when we live in a world where we are so infiltrated by negative media and by you know mainstream messages that try to say this is the way it is and the only way it is. You know, for most of us, we grow up quite influential and that largely becomes a part of us. And by the time a lot of us start to wake up, we've already been alive for a couple of decades and a lot of who we are isn't really who we are. It's just the narrative that was fed to us that, in the, that we absorbed. And so, you know, for people that get overwhelmed with, you know, trying to wanting to become the change they want to see in the world, you know, that's one of my main things is, hey, you'll never get to where you want to go overnight. You have to start where you are. You have to make changes. You have to start getting involved and volunteering, spending time around new people, you know, reading and watching new content. Uh, and gaining new perspectives. And, you know, through all of this, you will shape yourself into who you want to be, but it's going to take time. And I, I love that because I feel like sometimes it happens on accident. And, and initially, I think it happens on accident for most of us. But then it's something that you can lean into and you can be intentional about and you can read books and you can pursue that path of, you know, becoming more aware of things and ultimately becoming the change that you want to see in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened for me, it was 2011. So um, about eight years ago, I I decided to leave Wisconsin. After I got back from that trip, maybe six months later, I decided to leave Wisconsin. I 
put my stuff into my the trunk of my car that I had at the time and it it all fit in my car and I I headed out and I ended up in San Diego, California and things went on, you know, kind of normal for a little while, but then after 6 months or so I started to uh, I met I made some new friends and they were just out there. One of the things was is that people in Wisconsin they're isn't as much open minds. For example, like trying to be vegetarian in Wisconsin. At most meals, you're going to have somebody saying, where's the beef? And you know, <laughs> giving you a hard time. Now in San Diego, there weren't necessarily that much, like there's a lot of vegetarians out there. But the more important thing was that people, whether vegetarian or not, didn't really care what, what you were. They just accepted you more for who you are. And so you know, it was a place where growth became easier because you could feel more comfortable just being who you are. And so there was... That's interesting. Growth became easier because of the environment you were in. Yeah. I mean, it's if you're around the same people that you've been around for the last few decades and they have a certain way of doing things every single day, and when you try to go outside of that norm and they're, you know, putting the pressure on you, the uh, the social pressure to keep doing it the way that is considered normal in your area, then you're going against the grain at every, you know, nearly every moment of your day. And it's it's very hard. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of courage to go against the grain. But if you can go to a place where there is no grain and you can just flow, that just takes off so much of the friction and allows you to flow in the direction that is more naturally you. And so that is definitely in part what happened when I left Wisconsin. And so you had this new community in San Diego. It was easier to start making changes. Did you become a vegetarian at that point? One of the big things that happened was I started to just watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books. You know, a lot of them were about food, like Food Inc. was a really early documentary that got me thinking. And um, Earthlings was another one. It's what, about the, you know, factory farming and the way we modernly treat animals and such. That was one of the changes that I made early on. And I've, I've learned a lot more since then going deeper, which is a really important thing is to, you know, always go deeper and not just base things off of counter mainstream narratives. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the early changes that I made. And basically what happened was, you know, I started to realize all the problems in the world. It really started coming crashing down on me. Just we could go on for hours and hours. And <laughs> but, but what I did is instead of, I focused on the problems to a certain extent, but really what I pretty quickly did is I focused on the solutions. Okay, now I know the problems. There's great documentaries, there's great books. My, you know, my friends, they're teaching me things. But what's the solutions? And the good news is that so many of these documentaries and books that I was, that I was consuming talked about the solutions as well. And so what I decided that I was going to start making changes to change my life. And what I did is I made a long list of changes that I wanted to make and I hung it up in my kitchen where I'd see it every day, you know, right by the front door where I'd walk in, see it every day. I hung a pen next to it with tape and a, and a piece of string. And um, my goal was to check off one positive change per week and just slowly but surely transform myself into becoming who I wanted to be. You are just straight up speaking my language right now. We all the time here talk about this idea that you know, it's really important that we're aware of the injustices and problems in the world. Like, I think that that's 
I think it's really important that we don't bury our heads in the sand. But at the same time, it's really easy when you are paying attention to the problems in the world to maybe go a little bit overboard and and pay too much attention and let that lead to cynicism and anxiety. And ultimately, as soon as you become cynical, like you're frozen. You You can't do anything from a place of cynicism. But when you start to choose to create solutions and become a part of the solutions... Like something actually changes in your brain and, you know, it, it brushes off that cynicism and allows you uh, to, to feel like you have power because the reality is you do. You actually do have the opportunity to move the needle with that problem. And I love that you discovered that really quickly. And I, it's also really cool to hear about the very like methodical system that you created of here's a long list. There's a pen next to the list. I'm going to have to use that pen uh, and, and start marking things off. Yeah, we, we definitely speak the same language, and I was pretty sure that we would. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so two things to follow up on that. First of all, um, there's a balance. We have to be educated on the problems, but we can't put 100% of our energy into that and none into being the solution. And to me, if you put too high of a percentage into focusing on the problems, it, it basically it kind of can cripple your ability to do something about it. Yeah. So the key is you have to have a balance. Like, and, and the reality is, is that most of us, you know, most people listening to this podcast, you or I, we already know the problems quite a bit. That's, that's probably the reality for most of us. So the reality is that now we need to put a higher shift into acting on those problems. Like I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on with the government right now. I don't really need to listen to any more to still have a really good understanding. So now is when I do a lot more action. That's kind of an example of, of what I'm talking about there. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is that this can be fun. So that was my decision. I wasn't, I wasn't going like, some people look at me and they, what's that word for you where you like to inflict pain on yourself? Oh, I don't know. But I know what you're talking about. It's, but basically, you know, people, people look at what I do and they think that that's what I'm doing, that I love pain. But the reality is that that's, that's not the reality at all. What I've done is I find a lot of fun in everything that I do. So I find challenges to be, you know, what give me purpose in life. Uh, I don't find an easy life where everything is given to you to be very purposeful. I find that to, you know, be kind of soul sucking and, and boring. So I find purpose in living a life that has challenges that help me to grow. So when I decided I was going to make all these changes, I was up for the challenge because I, I knew that it was going to help me to grow, but I sprinkled in all sorts of changes that were fun in there. Like for example, I wanted to know where everything that I was using was coming from and how it was made and you know the impact that it had on the world. So one of my things was that most things that I was consistently using, I was going to make myself and maybe not continue to do it, but at least once make myself and learn how to make it myself. And that to me was exciting. I wanted to know that stuff. I was curious about it. Or another thing like, for example, riding a bike and, and not driving my car. Well, ultimately, I wanted to get exercise. I wanted to be outside breathing fresh air. I, I wanted to uh, explore my physical abilities and see if I could bike to the town over. And so all of this was, you know, a personal exploration and fun as well. It wasn't just, 
you know, picking the really hard things that I didn't want to do. It was really focusing on what I did want to do. That's great because I feel like, you know, if you're going to have a hobby anyway, you might as well have the hobby be something that does some good in the world. Doing good doesn't have to be hard and painful and a grueling choice against my own desires. You know, you can lean into joy and playfulness and and a sense of fun and and still do good and maybe even do more good. Then the thing is, so at some point, like one of my most important things that I try to do in life is not be delusional. Like that's a top focus of mine. And so, you know, the reality is, is that changing yourself is going to be hard. So, you know, my suggestion, what I did is I started with the things that were easy, the ways that I could do good, that were fun and exciting and at the same time changed me. And those ones that were like, you know, really difficult, those were later on the list because what I did is I empowered myself. The more positive change that I made, the more good that I did for others, the more it brought back to me, the more I started to see, oh, okay, I actually get great purpose and passion from helping others. And I get great purpose and passion from uh, understanding how my actions affect the world. And so the more that I did that, the more that it empowered me to actually take it a step further. And so those changes that in the past seemed like far off, impossible feats, well, you know, years down the road, it was now just another step forward because I, I was now an empowered person with a higher level of confidence than I was when I started. You did make this pivot, it seems, from doing things that impacted, I mean, obviously impacted the world, but were kind of more small scale and was just you making a difference where you could uh, in your life. And it seems that then you expanded it to basically be these these bigger things that involved more people and were getting more media attention and were a little bit more almost ambitious or more attention grabbing what sparked that change or that pivot for you well there was a couple things i mean one is i'm actually just a natural born entertainer i mean <laughs> i just I, I i always loved to entertain people in high school you know my senior year i was the class clown voted the class clown like that was because i enjoyed entertaining people and i just always enjoyed attention that's the rea- that's the reality of my personality so part of what i was doing was just a matter of finding the niche in which my desires could fit. And so I really always like to get people thinking, to get people to say, wow, and to get people like, just get their head spinning. And then, uh, so I combined that with my desire as I was realizing that I wanted to be a positive impact on the world, that I didn't want to live a life that was just for myself. Like I could have just continued. What's important is me entertaining other people, meeting my own desire, my my own ego and such. But instead, I said, okay, how can I use that for good? And so I wanted to inspire people to make positive changes, to live in a way that's you know less destructive to the earth, that's more beneficial to humanity. So I combined my my desire for attention and that you know ego that I had with that mission. And then what happened is that was 2013. So going on six years ago now, what I found over the last six years is the more and more that I was driven on this mission, the more the ego went away because it was absorbed by just the genuine desire to do good. However, I couldn't have gone from that overnight. What happens is the more good you do often, 
that's what gives you that purpose and passion. And so over time, that's what shifted me away. Like I still have an ego, no question, but it's a fraction of the size that it was when I started these adventures and activism that were designed to help others. And it's become, you know, vastly more focused on. So I always say like some people try to be selfless. I say that it's basically impossible to be selfless, but we can all work to not be selfish because if we gain great purpose and passion out of our work, then we're not really being selfless because we're also living a good life. And that's what I found. But the more that I dedicated myself in what you know others would consider a selfless manner, the more that it became selfless, but still... I was doing what I wanted to do in life and I was making other people feel good, which made me feel good. And I was, you know, living out truth, which made me, you know, wake up each morning without a pit in my stomach rather than, you know, waking up feeling doom and gloom because I was living a life of honesty and truth. Can you just walk me through some of those early projects you were working on? Yeah. So my first project was uh, to bike across the United States and try to have no negative impact and instead actually have a positive impact. So with sustainability, the idea was I focused on all the basic aspects of sustainable living, the things that we do every day that have a positive impact or a negative impact. So food, water, energy, waste, and transportation. So I set rules for every single one of those. For example, for food, I could only eat local, organic, unpackaged food, or the exception was I could eat food that was going to waste for electricity, for example. Um, I couldn't use any electricity from on the grid for the entire summer. So no plugging into an outlet, turning wow. on a light switch, any of those things. I had little solar panels to charge the few devices I had. So I had all these rules to immerse in sustainable living. And then there were other ones too. Like, you know, if I swore, I had to donate, I think it was $10 to a nonprofit <laughs> and do 10 push-ups on the spot. So it was also at the same time making myself a better person as I was biking across the country. So that was one of my earliest adventures. I've now biked across the United States three times on a bamboo bicycle. The second trip was called uh, the Goodfluence Tour, and it was all about just doing good deeds across the country. I was planting gardens, spreading seeds, wildflower seeds, and vegetable seeds across the country and doing good deeds. Another project was called uh, Share My Way Home. And in that project, I landed in Panama uh, with no money, with just the clothes in my back and passport, uh, literally just sandals, shorts, shirt, jacket, hat, passport, and had to travel from Panama back to San Diego through seven countries. Um, And the idea was that the mainstream media portrays the world as this dangerous, violent place. Like they portray Mexico as this dangerous place full of murderers and stuff all the time. But I think that generally, actually, people are good and that mainstream media vastly overplays the negative when the reality is is that there's so much good out there. So by landing down there with no money and having to travel 4,000 miles back through seven countries, um, the idea was really ultimately to show people that people are good. And when I got back, wow, when I got back to San Diego after 37 days, I could just mutter three words, like literally all I could say was people are good. (laughs) Wow. That's so remarkable that you 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 just had to like find your way and and i guess i don't want to dive too deep into this because there's a lot of other stories i want to hear about but tell me about like one story of of the kindness of people along that journey okay so i was in um 
I was in Mexico. I was really ready to get home. You know, I had already been through Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. And so I'm in Mexico, the final country, but it's a big country. And I've got like $17 or something like that. And uh, I got stuck in, in a city. I can't think of the name of it at the moment. It was in southern Mexico. And I just... Uh, went to a bus station. I was hitchhiking and I got dropped off in the middle of a city, which is a horrible place. And it was a very big city. And so I go to a bus station and I just say, I have $17. How far north can that get me? And the, the woman you know, looks and shows me. And I, I had put myself into a situation where I was having a pretty hard time. And so she, um, she gives me a little bit of a discount on the ticket so I can go a couple extra hundred miles. And she buys me a sandwich and a drink. You know, She was just working Aww. there. And it was just, you know, it's not a big deal, but just the fact that someone, you know, helped out in that moment. And it was just, you know, moments like and she that. noticed. Yeah, that she noticed and that she cared. And uh, yeah, so, you know, that's a, one example along the journey. So you come back, you're back in the United States. What, what do you kind of work on next? What's your next project? Oh, one of my more recent projects was Trash Me. So, you know, in the United so States. So this is how I found out about you. This was the first time that I... I learned who you were. This one's good. Great. So yeah, you know, I like to cover things in a way that really get people thinking and and understanding these complex issues. So uh, the average American creates four and a half pounds of trash per day. You know, but for most of us, we just put it in the garbage can and the garbage people come and pick it up and it's sent off to a landfill and we never really have to think about it. We never really see how much it adds up. Um, so I wanted to create a visual that would really stick in people's mind and make them realize how much garbage just one of us creates. So what I did is for one month, I immersed in the average American lifestyle. I ate, shopped, and consumed like the average person in the United States does. But the catch was is I had to wear... Wait, uh, I guess yeah. I'm just... So you... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm like surprised that you you like pivoted back towards living like the average American after all of this time kind of living sustainably. Yeah, I mean, I don't look at the world in this black and white way. Yeah. So in that moment, I said, okay, for one month, I'm certainly going to, I'm going to be doing ethically, I'm going to be buying and eating all these things that I don't support. And um this is not my ideal at all, but I was certain that by doing this for a month, I could do something that would have way better of an impact than me just continuing to live my way of life. Mm, interesting. Yeah. You know, one of my main focuses is not looking at the world as black and white, not looking at any of these issues as black and white, because they are all incredibly complex and it's all very gray and we'll learn something and we'll think that it's great. And then we'll realize, oh, actually, here's the downsides of those. <laughs> yeah. So for a month, I just immersed in it and um, I had a special trash suit design that would hold all of the trash and clear uh, plastic. And so each day I added all the trash that I created, it ended up being about three pounds of trash per day. So about a third less than the average American. But by about a week and a half in, I had say 30 pounds of trash on my body. And everywhere I went, I wore it in New York City. Um, wow. By a week and a half in, it started to really get picked up by the media. <laughs> and um that's when things really changed. Everywhere I went, you know, it was on all the local news stations, some of the local newspapers. It was on the front page of the Metro, which is everywhere. 
And everywhere I went, people were like, it's the trash fan. <laughs> but the amazing thing was people got it. They, they looked at me and they said, oh my gosh, that's me. Not because I told them, but because I was simply out there living it. And I wasn't telling anybody anything they were doing is wrong. I was just a reflection upon other people. And that way of going about it where I wasn't telling anybody what to do. Um, I can't tell you the number of light bulbs I would see going off on the streets or, or in conversations with people approaching me. During all this time, you know, you are starting to live a pretty radically different life. And you kind of alluded to this earlier when you say that, you know, a lot of us are really influenced by kind of societal norms. And and you, you're breaking these societal norms. Were you at all worried about what people, and especially people you loved, would think about you? Yeah, early, like I mentioned earlier on, I had a much bigger ego. So, um, you know, to give an example on the first bike trip across the country, I mentioned I could only eat local organic unpackaged food or the exception was food that was going to waste. Now, what that meant is dumpster diving. You know, that means going into garbages and eating out of them. And, you know, that's not generally considered like he's made it in life. You know, it's not generally considered highly sociable, acceptable, socially acceptable. It's, it's bound to make dating difficult as well. Things like that. What will women think of, think of me? <laughs> and so when I first did that, I was... I was sort of um, quiet about it at first. I didn't know if I would also lose credibility by by doing that. And so I was quiet about that at first. But after a while, I just realized, okay, this issue is bigger than myself. I have the ability to draw attention to it. I can show people something and wake people up. That's far more important than what people think about me. And so I started to talk about it. And sure, especially at the beginning, I got a lot of, you know, trolls on social media and just, you know, plenty of negative comments. The more the more you put yourself out there, whatever you're doing, likely the more negativity you're going to be exposed to. That's the reality of the situation. That was harder at first. But basically what I kept finding was by speaking the truth, by being genuine, and you know, what I've come to find is in this world we're so, that lacks so much, you know, not the world, most people are authentic, but it, with media and with mainstream culture, there's such a lack of authenticity and just living your bliss that people are really drawn to that. And so what I found was the more that I just was myself and was really living a good life and a passionate, purposeful life, not all of my friends were attracted to it, but I gained a lot of new friends and a lot of, you know, friends that were good for me. And so, sure, some relationships um, had to be left behind, but they just made way for more positive relationships in my life. And, you know, people enjoy what I'm doing and, and, it is, and it's created a really great life. So I'm really glad that I, you know, I left that ego behind for the sake of something good because ultimately everything came forward in a positive way for me by doing that. Let's talk about your newest project because uh, you just started to kind of dive into something new. And this one seems really, really interesting. Uh, and I'd just love to hear you share a little bit about it. Sure. So my current project is quite the immersion. This is a year-long project. And for what I'm doing is I'm growing and foraging literally 100% of my food. No grocery stores, no restaurants, no dumpster diving. 
Uh, no going to. Oh no, dumpster diving. No dumpster wow. diving. No eating food at a party or some, a friend's house. Um, literally, I have to grow and forage a hundred percent of my food for a year. Even the oil, the salt, every nibble, you name it. And um, the idea is to. Well, first of all, see if it's really even possible today in the current globalized, industrialized life that life that most of us have. And then um, it's extreme because the idea is to wake people up to the food system and inspire people. You know, I want people to grow a little bit of their own food, just get, get connected by growing one thing from a seed uh, or a starter plant to, you know, start to support local farmers and uh, you know, go to the local farmer's market to just start to understand our food. Like, you know, everything that I do, that these sort of extreme endeavors, it's important to not get lost on the extremity and really think it's about, it's all about creating self-reflection in others and thinking about, yeah, what am I doing? And is that what I want to be doing? Or actually, is there a different way? How long ago did you start this? So today is, I believe, day 79 of the year. And uh, yeah, it's going really good. I mean, everything that I've eaten for the last 79 days, I pulled from the land. Um, it's challenging, but extremely rewarding. I mean, yeah, I guess it's a little hard to hard to sum up. It's got to be funny because you're, you're probably you know hitting points where you're like, oh man, I'm really craving this. And you're like, well, I guess I should plant it now so that I can eat it in several months. <laughs> what are you like most excited about within this? And then what are you... What's the part that feels like it's going to be the biggest sacrifice? Well, at the current moment, I'm most excited that mulberries and loquats are coming into season in about a month's time. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just counting down the day for that. I am generally excited about food. I mean, a lot of us, you know, the saying is like, we eat to live and we live to eat. And I am definitely, you know, doing that all day, every day, pretty much. So <laughs> It's just, you know, it's so exciting. I can't tell you how much knowledge I've gained through immersing in this just from if I was to go back and be myself 13 months ago when I began preparing for this project, I can't even tell you how much less knowledge is, would, was in my brain at that time. I like just basic things like how much sun does a garden need? How much water? How do you water? Like when do you plant a seed? Uh, how far apart do seeds go? Like I didn't know almost any of that really. And, you know, now I'm able to, now I'm 79 days into growing and foraging 100% of my food. So that's exciting every day to be at that space. The challenging part is just uh, time. You know, it's, it's definitely time consuming, but it's worth it because, you know, I found for me that simply existing in a positive way, like simply living a good life takes time. That's the reality. Like it's easy to get away from that in our fast-paced lives, but I think one of the most important things that I've learned is that a good existence, a quality existence takes time, and that's something that 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 this project has really hit home for me. Man, that I think that's really beautiful and uh it reminds me of something that a previous podcast guest uh shared years ago on this show, uh, BC Cerna, I think he basically just talked about this idea that love is ultimately a sacrifice. You know, you have to give something. In fact, he might've even said like, it's ultimately giving time that defines what love is. And so it's, it's really interesting that, you know, you are expressing a love for the earth, a love for others and a love for, you know, this greater mission of supporting people, helping people, uh, just by by giving your time and giving your your 
energy. And we all have the opportunity to, to take a step towards giving a little bit more time. I would 100% agree that love takes time. Good love takes time. So I would imagine that there's a lot of people who are, are listening to this and they're thinking, man, this Rob, Rob is so cool. I love all of this stuff. I don't have, you know, the time to forage all of my food or, you know, I, I'm not going to necessarily bag every single piece of garbage and wear it on my body or I'm not going to bike across the country when I'm going to go visit my parents for, you know, Thanksgiving break while I'm, you know, I have five days off of college. You know, people might feel like this is all a little bit extreme, but they still want to do something. I guess, what's your response to that? And what kind of encouragement would you offer them? I agree with that sentiment. And I could see myself, (laughs) you know, myself eight years ago would have said the same thing about where I'm at now. So, you know, I I 100% get that. So, you know, my response is, it's all about choosing to live, you know, really consciously living the life that we want. If you are living, say, a very consumeristic life um, that doesn't think about other people or anything like that, and you are truly happy and just don't care at all, then, you know, maybe listening to me, it's not, it's not for you. You know, life is, life is definitely difficult in the times that we're in. And so I personally don't fault anybody for doing things that make life easier and more convenient and can bring that like, you know, instant level of happiness in a difficult world that we live in. You know, I just want to acknowledge that. But if you have a feeling that, you know, you do want to live in a way that is more equal with the other people that you live on this earth with, that's, you know, more equal with the other species that are on this earth. And, and you know that you just know deep down that the way that you're currently living isn't really what you want, that it's not living truth and that you don't feel balanced, you know, then that's a real sign that change could bring that to you, could bring that balance, could bring that equality and justice. And so that's when I would say, if you have that feeling, that's the time when it starts, when it makes sense to take action. And the way to take action isn't by getting rid of everything overnight. Like, for example, if you want to have less stuff, you, you don't become a minimalist overnight. When I decided I wanted to have a lot less stuff, what I did is every six months, I would go through all of my possessions and I would say, does this bring me purpose? Is this, you know, making my life better? And then also, have I used this in the last, say, six to 12 months? And if the answer was no, I would get rid of it. If the answer was that this is actually taking away from my life, then I would get rid of it. Now, you know, eventually I got my life down to living in a 50 square foot tiny house. People see that and they say, well, you know, I could never get there. But the only reason I got there was by doing that exercise for years And so that's just an example. The point is we have to start with where we are and we have to start with the changes that we're capable of in the moment. So not jumping off the deep end. The risk of jumping off the deep end is if you jump off the deep end, you can shock yourself so bad that you go right back. So it's about taking it one step at a time, you know, really being conscious and about those decisions, choosing the ones first that we're excited about, things that we can be really know that it's what we want to be doing in the moment and then go one step at a time and you know look back each year and see how much you've changed and hopefully each year you can look back and say wow i'm i'm a different person than i was at the beginning of this year and you know be able to keep saying that each year 
whole time we were having this conversation, I was just thinking to myself, we, Rob and I are on the same wavelength. Rob and our community are on the same wavelength. I love his ideas around what it takes to make change in the world, what it takes to create change for ourselves, you know, taking it one step at a time. And ultimately, how to not become cynical, how to not become overwhelmed when we face the heartbreak and pain and injustice in the world, but ultimately to become a part of creating solutions. I highly recommend checking out Rob on uh, just the internet in general. You can follow him on Instagram at Rob J. Greenfield, and you can check out his website at robgreenfield.tv. And there he explains so much more about what he does. He's documenting his current journey about food freedom. He talks about how his net worth is something like $3,500. It's fascinating stuff. You're going to want to check out his website. If you're new to Sounds Good and you loved this episode, we would love for you to stick around. I think you'd also enjoy our conversation with Eric Holthouse. He's a climate scientist who, frankly, felt really overwhelmed by what was happening uh, in the world, in the environment, and it sent him into a bit of a tailspin of depression. And he shared about his process of of slowly working his way out of that. And uh, I think we had a really fascinating conversation. And you can find that episode and more than 100 other episodes, varying in topics, but all hopeful by searching for Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. Our most popular places that people listen to our show are Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but we're everywhere else as well. So uh, make sure that wherever you listen, you hit subscribe to keep on getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to your phone every Monday. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good, Good, Good. We are a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix our show. And you can get lots more hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. We also create a beautiful quarterly newspaper and we have a brand new issue out. It's issue six. We are so proud of it. It is beautifully designed. The stories are so compelling and I think that you're going to love it. You can order it today or you can subscribe and it'll be the first issue you receive in uh, a year-long series of good news. You can do all of that at goodnewspaper.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and be the change you wish to see in the world. And we'll be back next week with another inspiring story from an incredible person. Sound good?